Okay, verse 13. 15, 16. Is that what I said? Yeah. He said 16. 13, Chapter 13, 16. I knew that. I was testing all you guys. Yeah, okay. You got to keep an eye on them. You know, they're, they drift. They drift. I got to keep an eye on them. They do. Okay. Okay. Jesus is talking about parables because he started to use them. There is an actual change that's going on here. He's reached a point where I, I believe what's happening is he's now going, he's not doing most of his ministry in synagogues anymore. He's out in the country, he's talking to the people. He's Well, he's still dealing with the scribes and Pharisees, but now he's taking his message to the people. Uh, and he has made a conscious effort, and it's noted by Matthew, to start using parables. I mean, he's used them before. There's nothing saying he didn't, but now it's bang. Um, and he's talking to his own people about it, and up in 15 it says, he's telling them why, and he says, and he quotes scripture, for the hearts of the people become dull. There's the, okay, and he's quoting um, Isaiah 6.10. Because there are, pe- there are people who aren't coming to him to hear truth. They're coming to him to hear what they want, and that has never changed. Uh, a vast amount of, what people call Christianity is simply a God being a genie in a bottle, who and faith is the hand that rubs the bottle. If I believe it enough, God will do it for me, that sort of stuff. In other words, God serves me. Uh, I can act like he doesn't, but ultimately with everything I think, do, and say, I'm proclaiming that's the truth that I believe. God's there for to do what I want him to do. Uh, Jesus is dealing with that, and then he says, but... And then he talks about those folks that they're not going to get it. That you know, even when I tell them directly. So the whole purpose of parables is to get the message to the people who came for the right reasons. Then uh, he says to his people, "But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear." I'm glad this is here because it wasn't looking good up until he says this. There are people who are ready. And you know what? It's God who gets them ready to hear and see. He's not abandoning those people to hell. They just need to get to the point where they're this, where they want to know. What did it, you know, I mean, Scripture's pretty clear. Uh, Speaking to the disciples, what he's saying is, you know what I'm saying. You know why I'm saying it. You get it. Well, they should. They've been, you know, three years with them explaining everything. Uh, John 20, 28 through 29. This is Thomas's words. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God. And Je- this is after, you know, poked the hands and, you know, said, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. So this is going a step beyond the disciples to who? Us. This is us. He's talking to a disciple who he just said, you guys get it. But here in John, he goes even further and says, there's people coming who are going to have faith. I don't want to say faith they shouldn't have, but have faith with less than what you've seen. And he said, and, and every time you see the word blessed, he means it. You know, we, we use that word as poetry, but it has meaning. It has power. Um, they will fare very well. And like I said, he's, he's talking about us. He's talking about the people who uh, have the scripture and the spirit and fellowship. Those are the three things who, who Jesus doesn't sit there and explain things to. That it, sounds related to what he later says to Thomas. That, you know, blessed are those 
blessed are you because you've right. seen and believed, but blessed are those who yep. haven't seen and believed. They have not seen and yet believe, right? In this verse, verse 16, Jesus addresses those who have seen and heard and believed. Jesus contrasts them with religious leaders, basically the sheep and the goats. What he had said before, he's making a contrast. And he's using parables to, to make the contrast. Why do you speak in parables? And then he tells them, there are people who aren't getting, I'm speaking the same truth to them that I'm speaking to you, and they, it's just, they're not looking for truth. What does Scripture say? When you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. It, if it's not with all your heart. In other words, what that means when he says that, with all your heart, you'll find me. When you really want to know what I want you to know about me, you'll know it. Until then, I'm not going to tell you. If if you're searching for me to get what you want, you're on your own. But when you come to me and say, God, what do you want from me? Who are you to me? God says, that's all I'm waiting for. I'll talk to you. But until then, I'll wait until you're, well, I always use the uh, analogy of, you know, God taking you to the dance and then you dance with everybody else while he stands in the corner <laughs> and waiting for you to come dance with him. And the grace of God, he waits. <laughs> He's God and he waits. And that amazes me. And even if it's the very last moment, he'll dance with you. You know what I mean? And that just strikes my heart. That's what love is. That's the grace of our God. But sooner or later, the music stops and the dance is over. You had every opportunity. You know, you had free will. You, you chose. But when you really want to dance, he'll be there. Uh, because they desire to hear the truth, the message is revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. What is in their heart affects what goes on in their minds. Uh, that's important. Uh, the two are connected. What we know of God, we know because we desire to know. This desire is fulfilled by the word, the spirit, and the events of life. The three things that form us. It's always been this way. Uh, the Deuteronomy uh, 4, 29-30. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. If. Uh, when you are in distress and all these things have come upon you, Boy, I hope you catch, after all these years we've been doing this, how often God uses hard things to get us where we need to be. He makes no apology. He says it directly. You know, if I bring a plague, if I, and then he says, upon my people, <laughs> you, know, you know, and I'm doing this, and it's my people. I'm not doing this to the goats. I'm not worried about the woke left or the mega right. I'm not even thinking about them. This is what I'm doing for you, you know, and, and if you humble yourself, I'll heal your land. So, you know, as much as we pray for the problems in this country and society, it's our fault. <laughs> I, I, honestly, we need to humble ourselves. We need to pray and seek God and repent because uh, God, goats are always going to do the goat stuff. He's not surprised by that. It's what his people do. And it says, well, for when you are in distress and all these things come upon you, in the latter days you'll return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. It's over time. So God is telling you right here, I will use hard things 
to bring you to me so that you'll come to the point where you really want to know me. Hmm. Life will be hard because I want you there. If you go through this entire life and you live richly and you never get sick and everything goes wonderfully and then you die and do not spend eternity with God, then it was all wasted. God says, I'm not going to let that happen. Just like what does he, he always compares it to a father disciplining a child. Because I love you. I cannot let you hurt yourself. I can't. Isaiah 55, 6, uh, anytime before you die, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. While he may be found, while you're breathing. Like I said, the music stops. Mm. Jeremiah 29, 10-14, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been... I lo- you know how many times I've done this. Um, I'd like to remind uh, every couple of months that, uh, you know, how this is used. Uh, I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you and all that stuff, and, you know, and everybody quotes it. It's on bumper stickers. This is what comes before it. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have completed for Babylon, I will visit you. What God is saying is, uh, you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. And then he tells them, yeah, you're going away into captivity for 70 years, which is a lifetime. 70 years is a lifetime. Uh, he tells them that, and then he says, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you. You're going away to captivity for 70 years. He says, I, he says, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, for future and a hope. Then, after 70 years of captivity, you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. See, that's the good. It's going to take a lifetime to bring them to the point where a good thing happens. And the good thing isn't wealth, it isn't health, it's relationship with God. And that beautiful phrase. (laughs) Now, consider what's implied here. Then I will listen to you. Then. (laughs) You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, after 70 years of captivity. And I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations from the places where I have driven you, where I have driven my people, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. In other words, I always equate this, those seven years, with our life here. We're in exile. We're away from the presence of God. We're not in the promised land. But God is saying there's a purpose for this. There's a reason you're here, and it's for your good. And the journey of this life is a journey from pride to humility. Amen. That is what this journey is about. I'm preaching on that this Sunday. But anyway, uh, that's what this journey is. And whatever it takes to get you from there to there, God will do. Mm. And you will get to the point as, time, as the journey goes on where you'll become okay with that. And you'll say, Lord, whatever it takes. I mean, without, not with arrogance, with humility. You know, I'm not asking for trouble, but I don't want to be separated from you for this long and gain nothing. I want to get everything I can out of it for eternity. It's what matters. So this knowing God thing is really important. 
verse 17, For I truly say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. He's giving his boys a head up. He's saying, listen, all that Old Testament, it all points to right here, right now. You're living in it. It, it wasn't sinking in, you know. Um, all those prophecies, everything that Moses, David, Elijah, Isaiah, and all the others wrote and spoke about is happening right now, right here before your eyes. The book of Psalms, so much of Isaiah, it's all happening right here, right now. They talked about it. You're living it. It also includes us. We're living in the time of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Everything went in order to be this time. This is the great time. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God in our hand. The Spirit in our hearts. This is the great time. Everything that happened before this happened so this could happen. Jesus Christ died to cleanse us of sin so the Spirit could indwell us. This is it. This is the golden age. This the only thing left is the end. We're in it. You know? So, so how, how do you do it? How, like, how, how does God want us to seek and know him? Um, I don't think it's anything you can generically tell yourself to do. I think it's something that uh, happens in life. You, you'll fill the void. You, here's how it happens for me. There's all these options out there to seek, your, to, put, to invest your life in. And to, and God, like I said, lets you dance. He lets you try them. Okay. He just sits there and waits. Uh, Lord, I, I think I'll put my life into my work. Lord, I think I'll put my life into other people, even family. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll invest my life into my wife. Yes, he wants me to love my wife, but she cannot fill the void of Jesus Christ. To, to expect her to do it is cruel on my part. And, and I'm going to be disappointed because she's going to die. Not soon, honey. Okay. And, and probably not before me. But anyway, but do you understand what I'm saying? You come to this truth through living. Life brings you to it. And the Word of God. Uh-huh. You stay in the Word of God. You seek Him in that book. You will find Him. When you want to know it, He will show it to you. That's what it's there for. Well, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. In a Bible study. So, but do you realize how many people aren't? Do you know how many people call themselves Christians that don't even understand the basics of what they claim to believe? That couldn't name three books from uh, the Old Testament? Who couldn't, you, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, that's sad. I'm not mad about it. I'm just like, wow. Because they don't really want to know. If they did, they'd be at Bible studies. They'd be opening the book. Uh, the prayer, you know, Lord, show me me. Uh, David's prayer, you know. Whatever's wrong with me, show it to me. Leave nothing out. Um, that pleases God. And when God's pleased, what did he say? Then I will hear your prayers. I see you. I hear you. I always did, but I didn't pay attention because you weren't paying attention to me. You know, he loved first. He expects a return in love. We love because he first loved us. Uh-huh. Not all of us. He first loved everybody. You're not returning that love. You're the one that's put something in the relationship between you and him. 
that has to be lifted. And that gets lifted when you want it lifted. Once again, this life changes what you want. You will always pursue what you want. That is inevitable. Whatever you want, you'll pursue it. So what God changes is what you want. And how does he do that? Life. Time and circumstance. Um, everything that you've encountered from little boy in India to all the way over here brought you to here. And it ain't over. <laughs> and he's taking you somewhere so that there's the old song that says, One day Jesus will call my name. As days go by, I hope I don't stay the same. I'm going to get so close to him that it's no big change on the day that Jesus calls my name. That's the goal. The change to becoming, to seeing him as he is and being like him, to be as small as possible. That's the goal. But fellowship, well, the three things that are always ours to do, prayer, fellowship, and reading the word. Those are the three cylinders of the engine that drive the car. Um, and he will open your eyes to what it is. I cannot at this point in time of my life think of anything that I ask him that I really wanted to know that he has not given me an answer that satisfied me. They're not answers that I could always preach or teach, but they satisfy me. Um, there's nothing left about God right now that I want to know uh, other than I just want to know how to please him more and I want to be able to do that more. How do I defeat me, you know, and that sort of thing. That's where the fight is now. Um, then I'm not saying there aren't, that tomorrow morning I might be faced with something with a question that, God, I don't understand. Uh, but everywhere that I've ever read in Scripture where I went, what? Like, I don't get that. Uh, it's all been answered for me at this point. There, there's nothing. If there wasn't, I'd be looking at it, trying to, <laughs> I'd be dealing with it. Uh, you know. But maybe that's what I had to do to get where I am doing what I'm doing so that I can invest in this instead of that. You know what I mean? Because I would, man, if it hit me, like, I don't understand that about you, God. I, you know, I would obsess over it, you know. I would just constantly think about it, constantly lift it up and constantly read the word looking. And uh, well, just tenacity, not intelligence, you know, honestly. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirteen 13, uh, from the Hall of Faith. All these died in faith. Talking about all those great peoples of faith in the Old Testament without receiving the promise. Having seen them, and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. What this is saying is, you know, David and Moses and Elijah, they didn't see what you're seeing. They didn't live in what you're living in. Do you get it? Grab a hold of that, man. First Peter 1.12, speaking of the prophets, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. Uh, the messages that came to Isaiah, the messages that came to Elijah, the messages that came to Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, were not the things that spoke to. Now, really, did, they wrote it down. They said it. But it wasn't really speaking to them. He said, but to you. <laughs> These great men of God who we venerate were there and told this stuff for you. It says, but for you. And these things, yeah, absolutely, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things with the angels long to look. 
into which the angels long to look. Hmm. God has opened himself up more to us than to the angels. He is more knowable to us than to the angels. Would it be through the Holy Spirit? Yeah, well, that's what it just said. They wish they could be saved. They're their spirit. That whole relationship thing of love. Well, here's the difference between us and the angels. Choice. God is love. Love demands to be expressed. And love also demands choice. If it's not choice, it's not love. You can't force someone to love. Love is choice. We chose. Um, that choice is powerful. That's the return of love. Uh, that's God getting, him being love, it's what he desires. If God is love, that is his essence, that love needs to be expressed. Love without being expressed, what is it? If it's not given to someone, if it's not expressed, if it's not, what is it? You know, it, it just, but there has to be a choice or it's not love. It's not worth anything. Free, it's exactly. Free will is powerful stuff, man. That's what we have the angels didn't have. So when the, so when the angels like sing Hosanna and stuff and they give praise to God, that would be what, like just the... Uh, just an absolute like um, announcement of fact. Okay. They're not feeling it? Oh, I, I assume they do. Um, but there's a different... Scripture is very clear. Do you not know you will judge the angels? Hmm. Okay, why? Because the angels did not face what we faced. They didn't have to go... They didn't go through what we've gone through. They didn't do all these things that we have to do. They didn't live apart from God and come back. Um... I view, I view us as the prodigal son, every one of us. I view them as the servants who got the things ready, who got the dinner ready for the, who cleared, that's, uh, maybe it's, but that's how I see it. Every one of us does the journey of the prodigal son, which is the journey from pride to, pride to humility. That, you come back humble. I mean, and the journey is what does it. You know, time and experience. And, uh, well, you know, he tells, go kill the cat, the fatted calf. Who goes kill the fatted calf? The servants. Who'd they kill it for? The prodigal son. Mm. That's us. Um, and there's no pride in that. I mean, uh, you know, you watch the, the goofy movies, you know, the angels are like, you know, and people are afraid of the angels and all that stuff. And everybody in scripture come across, you know, it's a visceral effect. I mean, they're just the servants, and people like fall to the ground. Don't kill me, you know. And highly spiritual people, you know, Moses and all them. Imagine when it says, "Glorify them, us." When God's when Jesus says, "The Father will glorify you as He has glorified me. I will glorify you as the Father has glorified me." Guys, we have no comprehension of what awaits us. How big this is. Why the pain and suffering of now, what Paul says, is incidental to what I'm gaining. And we read that as poetry. No, it's a fact. What is coming? What my mother and father are now living in. I wouldn't bring them back if I could. I wouldn't deny them of it. They are in glory. And we can't even comprehend it. How can we when we're mired in sin? 
But even the contrast of having been here first and then going there solves the problem of Lucifer, who, do you realize we're going to get everything that Lucifer got that caused him to fall? All the blessings that Lucifer got, being glorified and all that stuff, and it caused him to fall, that ain't happening with God solved the problem. That ain't happening with us. We fell first, then we get glorified. Been there, done that. You know, if you've ever had food poisoning, if you've ever had food poisoning, and then you see the thing that gave you food poisoning, you're like, nope, want nothing to do with that. (laughs) That's true. God solved the problem. He's getting everything he wants. Of course he is. He's God. He's getting children to call his own, sons, the, the joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the first of many brethren. He gets to express and give his love and glorify and just bless as every father wants to bless. He gets to give us something meaningful to do, that, and he gets everything he wanted. He's brilliant. And he said, this is, this, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna roll. This life is a mechanism designed by God to get what he wants. And we are in the middle of it. Is that when you say see that where you're going when you do the funerals and you mention about the corruptible putting on the incorruptible, like how our bodies change? We are, it's we are you go from this to that. It, that's gone. Yeah, it, gone. It's gone. We're into the news. It's gone. Uh, but I know you will always remember this. Uh, I don't say the pain. The wisdom stays. So we won't eat from the tree again. Oh uh, yeah. You'll, that's what I've always said. You'll swing from the branches. You'll play in the leaves. You'll throw the apples at each other. But ain't nobody taking a bite. You won't want to. You just won't want to. Mm-hmm. You, you did it already. And you got sick. And God healed you and brought you back. And from that, uh, and then he put pizza in front of you. <laughs> you're like, here's what you're getting when you give up that apple. And it's like, woo! And so the mechanism works. It's brilliant. God's really smart, really, really smart. He knew what he wanted. He knew what had to. And from before this earth was formed, this plan was in effect. It would bring us all here in this little room, and we would all get to know each other. We would all grow together. We would all die. We would all be with him. And people would come after us who are going to have to go through the same thing, take the same journey, Mm -hmm. the prodigal son journey, the same way until it's time, until he says, enough. And who knows what happens then? Wow. Okay. But like I, you said, with I, seeking Him, you, when, like in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So He gives you the way out in a sense. Like He tells you, keep seeking Me. Well, He's telling you. Well, the beautiful thing is, He says, "I will be found." Mm-hmm. So it's never in vain. Uh, your prayer, your, you know, do you realize how long, Job? wrestled with God and how long it was before God answered 37 chapters chapters. thank you and all that time in pain and suffering his friends telling him you're a sinner that's why this all happened you're dirty filthy rotten you know you have no right to complain yada 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 and he said no I didn't and all this happens and then God shows up God says God always saw him. God always heard him. 
but he needed to take that journey from that chapter to chapter 37. Hmm. When God shows first Elihu speaks truth, then God shows up and repeats the truth that Elihu said, and he just shows up and he never answers Job's question of why. All he says is, this is who I am. And Job says, I place my hand over my mouth. You speak, I listen. I'm an, I'm an income poop. <laughs> You're right, I'm wrong. I don't need to know more. You just told me who you were. Mm. I know you. That's all I need to know. I don't need my question answered anymore because I know you. Amen. That's right. And one day you will know him that well, as well as he knows you. Ain't that neat? It is. Let's pray. Oh, any questions? Anything? All right. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we just thank you so much for your word and for your loving spirit who guides us and for this fellowship you provided for us. Lord, bless this church for uh, putting up with us and giving us a place to come and worship you. But Lord, we ask as always that your word find a home deep into our hearts and it changes us. And when it changes us, we can be the light you called us to be in this world and not part of the problem. And I ask, Lord, that you watch over my dear brothers and sisters. You make them wise, brave, and compassionate and help them to glorify your name in what they think, what they do, and what they say. In Jesus' name, Jesus. Amen. amen. amen.